Geniuses. My name is Jessica Lopez Hermanton, and I am the creator and founder of OT Genius. And you're listening to Pre OT Secrets. On this show, we talk about how to get into occupational therapy school, how to do it in the most financially savvy way. And we also dive into the stories of pre OTs, current OT professionals, and students to learn how they got in and what their experiences were like. And so we're here to inspire, motivate, and encourage you throughout your OT journey and show you how you can be a successful OT school applicant and become the OT that you want to be. Now, on to the show. What's up, OT geniuses? Welcome to another Pre-OT Secrets episode. You guys may uh, know him, and you guys know that he is a pediatric OT genius himself. All right. I see some of his treatment ideas on Instagram and stuff like that. And I just really love his page. And we're going to be talking about patient pediatrics with the one and only Alvin Pineda from OT Outside the Box. And so without further ado, welcome, Alvin. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, for those who don't know you. And yeah, just tell us a little bit. Hello, Jessica. And all you OT geniuses out there, it's a pleasure to, to be on. And thank you so much for having me. So yeah, my name is Alvin. I am the creator of OT Outside the Box. And I am currently a pediatric OT. I work in an outpatient pediatric setting. I have experience in school-based settings and all throughout pediatrics. I have made my platform on Instagram all about kind of inspiring other pediatric OTs to be creative, to ensure that they are playing and following kind of a play-based approach with pediatrics. So yeah, I'm excited to talk more. Cool. So Alvin, I am sure that many want to know a little bit about your journey as a preoccupational therapy student and what led you to occupational therapy. Uh, so how, how did that come about? How did you decide for yourself, I want to be an occupational therapist? Yeah, I, for, I'm sure like many individuals out there, I had no clue what therapy was for such a long time. I was always, first and foremost, I love pediatrics. I loved working with kids. I have a huge, huge family. My mom has 12 brothers and sisters. My dad has 13. And they all had multiple siblings and, and children. So I was always the one hanging out with the kids, um, always taking care of them. I was always kind of like, their older brother type of person. So I was always playing with them and I, I love to play. I'm a, as an adult now, I'm a, I'm a big kid at heart. So it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of meant to be, I think for me at least. Um, but I had an older cousin who um, was into uh, occupational therapy and she currently is an occupational therapist as well. And she mentioned, I'd be really good working with uh, in the special ed population. So I started learning more and getting more experience in special education. I worked in an adult day program with uh, special needs young adults who were over 21 for a couple years. I worked in after school programs and I worked in camps throughout my undergrad and up to my actually throughout my graduate degree as well. 
I was working in special ed. I, I worked as an ABA therapist. So I have a lot of experience in pediatrics and schools and in it home It seems settings. like it. Did you work um, throughout undergrad, Alvin? Like, or did you completely, sorry, not undergrad, throughout OT school. Once you were already in OT school, did you continue working or was your only focus school? Yep. So I, I actually attended Dominican College, which I believe you had someone on a few episodes ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, what I go check out that episode, guys. If you yeah. are in the Northeast, we have an episode with Dominican College as well. So go check that one out. Yeah. What's unique about Dominican College, if you listen to it, it's a, a weekend program. So I went to school Friday nights, seven to nine thirty, I believe. And then Saturday, what is it, nine to six, and then Sunday, nine to like three or four. So and that was like every second or third weekend. So I was still able to work. I was able to continue working until I had my field work or my internship. So I was of able course, to once you did field work, that was full time. And were you working during field work as well? I just focused on field work and just kind of getting that done because that is a beast in itself. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. So but yeah, I worked throughout my undergrad, throughout the the two years gap year before applying to OT school and then throughout my graduate program. But yeah, I, I didn't find out until OT until I was really in schools and I thought, what are they doing? Why are they playing? Why are they on a swing? Why are they playing games and whatnot? So it was unique in itself because they were taking all these things into consideration and it wasn't about like the speech or it wasn't about just getting stronger. There were just all these little elements that really pulled me towards OT, like the play-based approach, the things we worked on and everything. So what I really started to learn and love was that anything can be considered an occupation in a kid's world. And I love that. And I, I love the opportunities that it can, it can provide us. Very, very cool. That is so amazing. And so it seems like your journey with kids, it's just always been there. It's just been something so integral to your life. And that's really cool that you just went along with it and, and ran with it. So I'll share a story with you. This is a true story about the first, I was a pre-OT at this time, okay? And the very first place that I shadowed was at a pediatric outpatient center. Actually, no, it was a school. It was a school for autism. And so over there, I was shadowing this OT and he was seeing a very big kid. The kid was about, was it, early teenage years, 13, 14 years old. And the kid was being like about to basically like really harm the OT and it, it, the OT was male, but I just remember the male OT, like basically having to keep himself safe and restraining the OT, I mean, rest restraining the child because for his own safety as well. And, and, but then like things de-escalated. But I just remember thinking to myself that, that that was on my very first day, okay? Oh, gosh. It's <laughs> like, what am I getting into? Yeah. So you can imagine what went through my head, all right? I'm like, okay, so pediatrics probably not for me. No. And I ended up <laughs> working in pediatrics. And it's just funny. Like, if you're a pre-OT listening, you may think to yourself, well, I want to do this. And this is the goal that I have for myself. There's no way that I'm working with adults. There's no way that I'm doing peace. That was my thing, right? And you end up just, you know, like doing the setting 
that you thought you would never do and you're actually enjoying it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I love pediatrics as well. Like it's just something ingrained in me. And like you, I've always been having something to do with kids. When I graduate after I graduated from undergrad, I did AmeriCorps. So I ran an after school program in a in a low income area. I also then afterward just uh, started working more directly with uh, best buddies and things of that nature. So, you know, it's always just been somehow like innate, but I guess it like you never say never. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always been there. And I'm just so glad that you just continued and, and ran with it. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, so I did do a field work in uh, a, an adult subacute. And I absolutely loved it. I love kind of the adult interactions and I love the appreciation that they have mm-hmm. for the work that we do in rehab um, because they get to go home. They, they get to be independent again. And I love that feeling of, of really helping them. There's just so much more to it. And that relationship is different as adults compared to kids. But I just love the interventions of kids and just the approach and, and everything about playing. Yeah, I love what we do in general as OTs, and there's just so much possibility. Yeah, that's what I think really is, I think, one of the the best things about our profession, in my opinion, it's just that you're never really stuck, and you don't have to just be in this one setting. You can learn about and work with so many different types of populations, and I think that it's just about doing and working with a group of people that uh, you, you want to help, and that in, in a place and saying that you find fulfillment, you yeah. know, and I think that that's what's going to lead to a lot of satisfaction as a career wise, as a future occupational therapist. So I'll just ask this one last question and, and yeah. And then we will just, um, you know, I, I just want, you to know, I do want to uh, definitely have you back on and just uh, continue the conversation about outpatient pediatrics, but what has been your favorite thing about working in feet? Again, I think it's the opportunity that I've had. So right after graduating from OT school, I worked in an awesome visually impaired uh, school for the blind. So I, I love that. And I love um, it was in New York City. And I love uh, being able to get that experience in um, and having a great team with that. But and then a couple months after graduating, I jumped into travel therapy. I was able to uh, work four school-based jobs across the country from where I lived. Uh, I lived in New Jersey, born and raised. And then the travel opportunity gave me uh, an opportunity to drive cross-country. It gave me three jobs out in California. I was able to explore multiple states, get so much experience from kids in preschool all the way to 21. But I love that it's given me so much opportunity to enjoy what I love as a profession and then get to experience life more um, and get to experience all these places as a travel therapist. And then I've been able to just learn and grow from everyone and every team that I've been able to interact with. So it's just been a great life experience, I think, for me. And I've been really lucky to learn and grow from each opportunity. So, so that's really, really cool. What is the biggest piece of advice that you would have for someone then just based on all those settings that you worked in and uh, the experience you have with pediatrics? What would you say is the biggest advice that you have for people that are wanting to do 
pediatric? I think first and foremost, definitely get your experience in. Observe, see if you can get into school, see if you can get into a sensory clinic, see all these different populations. One of the things I, I really love is working with free OT students, getting volunteer hours, breaking things down for them. They, and don't be afraid to ask questions afterward, if you can. I know sometimes it's just kind of like a observe from a distance, but uh, see if you can get a really good hands-on experience where you are interacting with kids. There are programs out there. I just finished working at an out, outdoor nature-based clinic, and we have an opportunity to work with plenty of volunteers. I've had so many volunteers go through and go through OT school as well. And I still keep in touch with a lot of them. And also continue to connect with your mentors with these OTs as well. It's so important to have these connections because the OT world is so small. But yeah, continue to get that exposure, ask questions. And I think one advice as just a student in general would be to, to figure out what works best for you in terms of a learning style. For me, Jessica and I were talking about this earlier, like I'm a morning person. My productivity level, my effectiveness is, is so much better in the morning. So I'm up early answering emails, doing work, and then like working out. So in OT school, I found that out. I, uh, because I worked a full-time job throughout the week, I was up at like four or five o'clock in the morning doing my homework, doing my reports and whatnot. So figure out what works best for you. Uh, in the end, that's going to be super helpful as a practitioner, and it'll give you kind of more an understanding of how you can integrate like more of a work-life balance or a work-life integration in many ways. So figure that out early, figure out what works best for you and go from there. That's really, really critical. I'm so glad that you brought that up. And yeah, I think you do got to do what's just right for you. If you know that you are a night owl and that you work best once you're done with your day and use the energy that you have at night to study more and then you can continue that momentum then you know use that that night opportunity but then that also realize that doesn't work for everyone that's what i do too like i'm now working out like 6 a.m now and it's incredible what it's done for my routine i now just get up and i actually am ready for work and for the day a lot faster I was in. so for yeah we were just talking about that like you yeah. know I used to like if, if I don't work out I notice that I lollygag like maybe I get on my phone or I just am laying down for like a few minutes or I'm just talking with my husband or whatever the case may be but then just time is just going by and then nothing really is getting done but when yeah. you when you know because I work out early in the morning I work out, we get home by seven, all right? And then we start getting ready and we got to like get things going, right? So there is yeah. really no time to be really wasting. Yeah. And so things are just so much faster and efficient because we have that routine and discipline. So yeah, yeah I mean, it, there's I like, there's, really, a, really important. there's a whole science it to it. Yeah, I mean, like if we think about it, like even like the, the science and the psychology of it, when you complete these small little tasks, especially working out too, you release all these like endorphins that just help you in kind of comp- your day. So just really important and, to go with that. And, I, and I'm sure that really also affects the kiddos that we work with. Cause I also work in outpatient, um, with outpatient in outpatient pediatrics at an SI clinic. And, and what I notice if I'm going to 
be working on a fan motor component. And let's say I don't integrate that as part of my obstacle course that I'm making for them. I notice that if we do the sensory integration, if we are doing gross motor movements and just working on that motor planning and get like just getting them to be more aware of their body and just as a whole, <laughs> right? Because when you're doing an obstacle course and you're moving, like, you know, you're tackling a lot of different things from balance, coordination, proprioception, or, or your body awareness, and all of this different stuff that gets you more centered and ready to be actually to even able to sit and do a handwriting task, maybe, if that's what you want to do as part of your treatment session. It's a, it, uh, movement is so cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, just don't pour in for, for everyone. And I think establishing that in a routine is so important because if you're continuously going to serve others and provide the best service, you have to be able to, to, to really give that to yourself as well. You need to put yourself first and really focus on what you need for your own physical and mental health. I think it's important and it's, it's often forgotten as practitioners that we have to take care yeah. of ourselves first and foremost before we take care of others. It's kind of like yeah. that saying, put the mask on yourself first versus then put it on others. So work on figuring out what works best for you as a pre-OT student. And then that'll kind of translate into being a really successful practitioner and really knowing how to put yourself first. Yeah, I think that's really, really critical. Like you, yeah, for sure. I mean, and even though like, I, I'm sure I can speak for the both of us saying that, you know, and you express it, like we both really love our jobs. We love the profession. We, I, you know, we wouldn't have the platforms and doing what we're doing if we didn't. But it comes with also like just the reality that things do get tough. Like the reality is that in outpatient needs, we have kiddos that do have tantrums, that do have behavioral issues, that do struggle with attention and you're trying to get them to do something and it's hard. And so then, and by the end of the day, you could be completely drained. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, like, it, it, oh man, that's such, that's such good advice. Yeah. Whether you're a pre-OT, OT student, or even current clinician, learn if you're not putting yourself first, like I, oh man, you got to start doing that. I think it just makes not only your life better, but <laughs> I think it'll even just make you appreciate your career a little bit more even too because you're not as worn out you know yeah, like you've exactly. taken the, the, the time to to focus on you and and a lot of times we do have the time we think that we don't it's just really more about what we're prioritizing like we do have the the time to like even if it's 10 minutes of stretching or mm -hmm. 10 minutes to just go out into nature which yeah. we'll talk more about that in the next episode, because I know you have a lot about pediatrics and, and nature-based OT as well. And the Contigo approach is, which is something that you guys may be hearing about later in OT school, <laughs> but yeah. So, but I want to thank you for being on, on this episode. And um, if you have any other last words, uh, whether it's an advice or anything that you want to give a shout out to, or, you know, just go ahead and, and let our listeners know. <laughs> it could be anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think definitely continue on your journey. Experience what OT is and, and figure out why we love this profession so much. Um, and I know the more you learn about it, the more you get exposed to this profession, you're going to love it even more. So um, just try to get as much exposure uh, as you can um, to really understand what occupation is. So, yeah. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. Well, thank you again, Alvin. As you can see, he rocks. And if you're not following him already, 
on Instagram at OT Outside the Box, please go ahead and do so. And if there are any other social mediums going on as well that you are that you want to share, uh, please do visit. Yeah, I mean, wherever, pretty much all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, where most of these pre OT yeah, students might be, too. that's where I might uh, be as well. I post all my stuff there as well. So follow me anywhere and everywhere. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Alrighty, everyone. I hope you guys have a great day. And thank you so much for listening. And Thanks. Bye. so much for joining me and taking time out of your day to listen. We hope this has been valuable and will get you one step closer to being the occupational therapist you want to be. You can check out all of our resources and social media platforms on otgenius.com. The website again is otgenius.com. If you wish to connect with us, you can do so by booking a consultative call on the website or even find us on Instagram. The handle is at ot.genius and you can there join our monthly newsletter and stay up to date on all the things we are doing to help you succeed. We hope that you have a great day and thank you again for listening.